Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Netflix is back with another dystopian teen drama. This time, it's an updated version of Lord of the Flies. The show is brought to us by the teams behind 500 Days of Summer and Party of Five. We've got plenty to talk about here on TV Pilot Reviews, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AfterBuzz TV. We are producing and bringing you TV pilot reviews, where every week we bring you a brand new pilot and tell you our thoughts on the show. I'm not doing it alone. My name is Jeff Graham, but I'm surrounded by a group of brilliant and wonderful panelists, including the very busy Linda Antwi. Hi, guys. Linda, you're on about five after shows just today, right? Yes. Uh, we've also got Mina Wahab, who I'm excited to have you joining, Mina. I've done some shows with Mina, and I feel like you love to nerd out about the nitty-gritty of some of these details on these shows. So. I really do, and this is an awesome show, because you get like a nice little buffet of a pilot of every of every new show, so you get to keep yourself updated with everything new in TV. It's absolutely true. It does feel like the one nice thing with when you host this show is you've at least seen an episode of everything. <laughs> it feels like as the year goes on. And that laugh you just heard was appropriately Tara Hi, Erickson. Hey, guys. Um, Tara. We're so excited to have you, Tara. I feel like you're going to bring us the nuance of comedy on these yes. shows. Yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah. what real Watch comedy Watch me not is. be funny at all. And they're <laughs> like, know, wow. On you. They mentioned comedy and we're not feeling it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just so excited to have you two joining us this week. It's going to really liven up. Lindsay and I have been doing our best to hold it down, but uh, it's always nice have the extra support. Yeah, so happy to be here. He's bored of me, is what he's saying. Not at all. <laughs> Welcome to Fresh no, Blood. No, no, no. Linda's <laughs> sick of me, is what it is. So we're just glad to have you guys. Um, okay, guys, as I mentioned, we're covering a new Netflix show called The Society. As I mentioned, it sort of feels like an updated version of Lord of the Flies, where a group of teenagers are left parentless and have to learn to fend for themselves and create their own government from the ground up. Um, I'm not going to say too much more because the show is divided into two sections. We have a non-spoiler section first where we give the audience our overall take on the show without revealing too much, letting them know whether or not we would pass or play on the show and whether or not they should pass or play on the show. After that, we'll talk a little bit about the development of the show, who's behind it, and then we will be getting into our spoiler section. So if you have seen the show, you can tune in for the whole thing and hear our thoughts on the, some of the specifics with that, let's get into the show overall. Tara, let's start with you. Oh, boy. I, I don't like, know if you're going to like it. Well, we'll start and get more positive as we go. Okay. I feel like you might be our naysayer, <laughs> hater on the panel. So. I love TV, but I thought this show was poorly executed. Okay. Um, I just was not very engulfed in the characters. There was a lot of moments that I thought were pushed into being like, this should be more dramatic, so let's do this, and this character mm. should react very largely. And to me, I was just like, I don't believe it. Yeah. Um, and so I got a little bored towards the end, and then it picked up a, a little bit. For me, I would continue watching just to see if it got better. There are a lot of pilots out there that I've watched, and then you keep watching, and it's great. Mm -hmm. I hope that's what happens here, because I really enjoy the idea. 
But um, for me, I was like, I'm probably pass. Fair enough. So it sounds like you're a personal plas- pass, but you might play for audiences. Yeah, good call, Jeff. Um, that's why we have both. We have our own <laughs> passer play and our recommended passer play for yeah. audience. I'm going to go next because I feel like I have the next most negative opinion on the show. I actually liked it overall. I thought in some ways it was pretty well made. I agree it was maybe a little melodramatic at times. I think my issue was sometimes shows like this are hard for me to buy into. You know, you have to suspect spend your disbelief to get into the show to really enjoy it. And this premise is kind of bonkers. So I feel like if you can get into the premise and really buy into the show, I actually thought it was pretty well made. I thought the performances were pretty good overall. And the writing had some thought-provoking moments. You know, I think they're trying to, like, explore these interesting themes. And when they're hitting on those themes and kind of making literary references or these allusions, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening here. Just that premise for me took me a minute to really get into without me, to be honest, kind of rolling my eyes. So, <laughs> Mina, what do you think? Um, so I'm guessing Linda has the most positive review then. Potentially. It's <laughs> going last. But um, when you said Lord of the Flies, I kept thinking, okay, is there going to be a moment where they all kill Piggy and there's <laughs> going to be some sort of sacrifice? We'll see. <laughs> and I was like looking forward to that. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, there was no... Uh, there's no death that they caused themselves, yeah. so not yet. yeah, not not yet, which is which is great news. But I like this because you know the whole Lord of the Flies element of how are kids going to interact each other with each other when there aren't adults around, especially when they're like seventeen, eighteen. It, I feel like there could be this coming of age element mm-hmm. there. How will society function? when there aren't police officers, where there aren't people in charge, how are groups going to be divided? How are coalitions going to be made? And I feel like this pilot kind of focused a lot on uh, why are we here? How did we get here? But we have no answers. Um, But I love that they kept asking those questions because it really created this curiosity, on my behalf at least, where I'm thinking, okay, I really want to know now. I'm invested. I wasn't necessarily invested in the characters per se, but I was invested in the story and the premise, and mm-hmm. I could get behind it because it felt like some sort of weird escape room. Mm. Like, okay, this is an escape room. Are these aliens that kidnapped us? What's going on here? And I could get behind the premise. I liked the premise more than I liked anything else about the show. Interesting. Okay, we're almost opposite on our take yeah. on the show. Do you yeah. think you'll watch another? I honestly want to now. Okay, so you're yeah. a play, and it sounds like you might recommend it. To yeah. Audience. Okay. So. I recommend it. I don't know. I mean, it could get really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the premise is good, but I, I could see it either being really terrible or really great, and I don't know which way it's going to go. So I do want to watch one more episode just to Fair enough. get a better feel for it. Linda Antwi. I'm all in. Hey! Mm-hmm. Good. I'm all I love in, it. <laughs> and the reason why I'm all in, I think that it hits its demographic, which is mm-hmm. young adult. And millennials, and what would happen? Because that's how I'm in. Because I was like, what would happen if all of a sudden my family's away, and I'm in school, and you know, you have a little bit of classism in there. You have a little bit of like lack of race and diversity in there. So there was a lot of things going on at the same time that I thought they tackled very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that being a teenager and living in 2019 they were acting exactly how they would act like trying to figure it out but trying to figure out in the context of how they were currently living so i I think they did a great job and i i'm all in for it and i love the lord of the flies kind of reference Mm -hmm. 
and how it's updated for 2019. So I'm curious to see where they go with it. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually did think that in general the performances and the writing felt pretty authentically high school, mm-hmm. um, which is impressive because actually the creator of this show has been working in television for like 35 years. He and his now wife created the show Party of Five in the 90s, which is one of the first kind of really thought-provoking, mature-themed teen dramas. Mm-hmm. So for him to still be able to really capture the voices of Gen Z and sort of the fact that they would all be on their cell phones and getting all of that true was pretty impressive because... Very often, I think, television gets the voices of teenagers so wrong. Mm -hmm. Did you guys think that the show felt... Did these feel like believable teenagers to you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I certainly thought that they were believable. I liked little moments where they were the one girl, I forget what her name was, was just sitting kind of calling her parents on the phone just relentlessly Mm. and having a moment there at the school of just like, man, this... Every teenager is like, I wish I didn't have parents. And then she's there and it's like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, and I really believed that moment. That was a moment that I felt was not melodramatic. I thought mm-hmm. it felt really realistic to me. Um, and yeah, I believe they were all they were all teens of like, mm-hmm. bro, man, like what's going on? Uh, that type of deal uh, mm-hmm. with like rich kids and then also poor kids yeah. and yeah. a different dynamic. And exactly those rich kids that I knew in school acted just like that. That's what I'm saying. And and I have a question for you, though, then. Don't you feel and remember in high school everything was melodramatic? Like, everything was. That's a good point. Yeah. All the little things. Everything was a huge, big deal. Yeah. I guess guess you're right. I, I think that the one moment... That should we save it should, we'll this. save it. We'll save it. That may, yeah. So that's I'll, a great tease. If you have yeah. seen the episode, Tara's going to give her melodramatic moment <laughs> yeah. later on the show. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on the authenticity of the way the teens are speaking on this show, Mina? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite shows back in the day used to be Degrassi. Mm. And I feel like if you want to say the word melodramatic, <laughs> nothing comes close yeah. to Degrassi. So when I like compare it to the Degrassi scale of melodrama, I just think it wasn't that melodramatic. Um, they could have made it more melodramatic by like really emphasizing, oh, what's this girl going to do without her meds? Yeah. And oh, this guy only communicates using sign language. And they, I felt, I felt like they did it in a way where it wasn't like super focusing on people's um, either disabilities or or hindrances, but rather just showing it as an element of their personalities. Mm -hmm. And I think they could have very easily gone the the melodramatic way, but if you consider the premise, I mean, they're acting, they're not overreacting. I mean, what would you do if you lived in a world where you have communication cut off to the outside world, you don't know where you are, and it feels like everything and, like, life as you know it has been replaced by another society that looks just like the one that you were in before. Yeah. You would feel like you were losing your mind. So I don't feel like it was melodramatic at all. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of these teens that we're talking about, we're going to quickly discuss this cast. There's a lot of characters, so we'll try to go through it quickly. But we have sort of an ensemble cast of up-and-coming talent in Hollywood. So one thing that's fun about this show is you know that these are all the people who are going to be winning Oscars in, like, 10 years. You know, It's the yeah. fun thing mm-hmm. about shows like this is you're getting a look at um, fresh young talent early. So, Linda, do you mind taking us through? Yeah, so we have Catherine Newton. She plays Allie. You know her from Big Little Lies, Pokemon, and Blockers. Next, we have uh, Gideon Alden. Adlon. Uh, she, yeah. Yeah, just because her. her mom is Pamela Adlon, which Adlon. is such a funny... Yeah. Uh, she, she plays Becca, and she was also in Blockers, The Walking Dead, American Crime. And then next up, we have Sean Birdie. And he plays Sam Elliott. And you know him from Switched at Birth, The Sam Law 2, and Drunk History. 
And then I believe we have this Jacques guy, and I think I'm saying Jacques. his name correctly. Jacques Coleman? 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 I think Coleman. Coleman. Uh, you know, he plays Will, and you know him from Endless Light, Sweet Old World, and Blood Brothers. Up next is Olivia DeJong, and she plays Elle, and you know her from The Visit, mm. and Stay Dolls, and Will. Then we have Alex Fitzzalan, and he plays Harry. You know him from Slender Man, if you watch Slender Man. The Get, Crash, and Burn. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love how all of them look like models in these pictures. <laughs> like, what is happening? Are they all GQ models? <laughs> we have Christine up next. Christine Froseth. Do we have Christine on our list? Froseth, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, there she is. Yeah. She is known for Apostle, and she plays Kelly. And I think we have two more that kind of made the top. Yeah, we have Jose. Jose Julian, he plays Gordy. You know him from Shameless and A Better Life. And then the second Alex McNichol mm-hmm. plays Luke from Transparent and McFarlane USA. Well, there they are. That's our huge ensemble cast of characters trying to survive this new world. And if you guys are interested in seeing more of these characters, we actually did cover the red carpet for this. So we have interviews with all of them on the red carpet on behalf of our network. So make sure you check that out on our AfterBuzz TV events channel. And speaking of AfterBuzz TV. Yes. Very smooth. Yes. We'd like to thank you guys for making us the ESPN of TV Talk. So make sure, guys, that you subscribe, leave a comment, like this video, share it with your friends and family. We love being here. The biggest thing about AfterBuzz that I love is I get to come here with wonderful people and talk TV Mm. and have you guys chat about it, too. So make sure you do all those things. We love you so much. Love it. Um, And if you guys are listening on the podcast, we do have a YouTube video. And all those names you were just hearing, we have photos accompanying them. So make sure you check that out. All right, at this point in the show, we're going to talk a bit about the development. Because especially with the first episode, it's always interesting to discuss the minds behind this show. So the show was created, as I mentioned earlier, by Christopher Cap. Chris, sorry, Christopher Kaiser, um, who he and his wife typically actually write together. This is one of the first times he's done something on his own. But they've had a long history of television, most notably the show Party of Five, which I don't really know much about, but um, was one of the most important sort of teen drama shows to sort of break ground in the same way that Degrassi did with issues-based television. Very critically acclaimed show, a lot of awards, fodder and chatter around the show. kind of. So that makes sense to me. Any Party of Five fans here? Any of you guys watch it? Was Scott Foley on that show? Possibly. I should know that. Speaking of being the ESPN of TV talk, if you guys are Party of Five fans, let us know down in the comments below, because I'd love to hear your thoughts. Because it seems like thematically this show does kind of relate to that in terms of what it's dealing with. It's just that this time they are in the middle of nowhere in an abandoned town. So slightly different. Most interesting to me, though, is the other EP and director of this pilot is Mark Webb, Mm -hmm. um, who got his break with the movie 500 Days of Summer, starring Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Since then, he's produced uh, produced and directed both of the amazing Spider-Mans with Andrew Garfield and done some work on the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So, Mm -hmm. Mina, you said that you felt like this was sort of a strange pairing. Yeah, I mean... A strange pairing in in what sense? You said it. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> oh, I was saying earlier because it, it, I read that um, the director was the same director who directed uh, 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this doesn't feel like a 500 Days of Summer show at all. Yeah. And I was like trying to understand like how the directing style of 500 Days of Summer would be similar to this show. And I didn't see 
any sort of like resemblance between the two, did you? No, no. Yeah. I mean, this is more shot like TV. Yeah. Uh, very specifically, like following a bit of a method. The one thing yeah. I will say, though, is I feel like thematically it does have some similarities to 500 Days of Summer. Because you mentioned there's like a huge coming-of-age component to all of this. Mm-hmm. And especially with the Spider-Man movies, Peter Parker is so like a teenager finding who he is. Mm. So I feel like even though this is totally a different genre, he Mark Webb seems to be very interested in like the journeys of young people as they like figure out who they are in the world. But this was so dark. Yeah. I, I get that, common, yeah. the common ground, though. But even Spider-Man, even though there was some darkness to it, it wasn't this type of dark. Even right. the coloring, if you if you pay attention to the colors mm-hmm. in this show, it's a lot of grays, a lot of blues, yeah. um, a lot of neutral colors, not a lot of pops of color. Right. Like in 500 Days of Summer, I was very happy. There were yellows, there were greens, there were reds, there were dance scenes. Yeah. And this was very much like, okay, grays, neutrals, very dark and depressing. Kind of bleak. Yeah. Um, I just think, I'm, I'm not surprised he'd be interested in a show like this to bring, to come on board with, because it seems like these types of stories he's interested in, mm-hmm. maybe? I don't know. Let us know what you think of including Mark Webb on the show, and whether or not he directed the pilot well. Okay, so we're going to get into our spoiler section now. Any last mm-hmm. thoughts on development, overall thoughts with the show before we talk about specifics? All right, well, let's drop that spoiler alert. Pop. <laughs> there it is. I dropped it. Spoiler alert. All right. That's the fun of live TV, guys. Um, okay, so I want to start with Tara because you have yeah. me on the edge of your seat. Oh. What did you feel like was this um, overly dramatic moment for you that kind of okay. took you out of it? I felt like there were two. There's one where Gordy and Cassandra were trying to find her medication on the bathroom floor. Oh, Gordy yeah. said two words. He just, I don't even remember what he said. It was two words. He was like, well, if. And then Cassandra was like, don't give me one of your speeches. <laughs> it was just like, he wasn't, he said two words. It just, it was too much. Yeah. It was a forced moment that was not earned. And the second one, I felt like with the snake part, when she was bitten by the snake, it felt very adult <laughs> to me that two of them would wander off as teenager boys and be like, gotta figure out a way to tell a man to break the news before she dies in front of us and you're like no she's just (laughs) she's gonna die like you guys would all be freaking out no one would be like hey let's have an aside real quick uh, (laughs) to tell these kids who are also our same age that this girl's gonna die from a a snake bite i was like no you couldn't get in it no what linda what do you think i i mean i i kept tara's point of view (laughs) but i also know that like as a young person, I probably was that person where mm. someone who knows you very well, you know they're about to give you a speech. So even if they say one word to you, it's mm-hmm. like, don't yell at me or stop talking yeah. or whatever, because you've already heard it a gazillion times before if they know you very well. So like, I get what you're saying, but I also think it works for the show because they are teenagers and everything is always so extra. The sidebar part, yeah, that seemed a little weird. It, it did seem a little weird. I think that they would probably be freaking out. Because I was thinking, like, if I was in that moment and I see my friend get a snake bite and all of a sudden she's turning blue and dying, yeah, I'd be freaking out. Yeah. But someone should have known CPR, I'm just saying. How yeah. do none of you in 2019 know CPR? Wasn't one of them a lifeguard or something? Something. Like, you guys, what? What school do you go to? Yeah. 
Um, my, my favorite part was uh, when the person's like, wait, there are cobras in Connecticut? Yeah. Like, what? Which made me wonder. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe that, yeah, maybe, maybe they're, they're not in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, they're not in Connecticut. That's, That's what it. I thought was a dead giveaway. But then someone else said, oh, but she's probably just allergic to snake bites. Maybe it wasn't a cobra, but it looked like a cobra. I think one of the things I'm bumping with with the show a little bit is the fact that on some levels it feels so grounded it feels like a world we recognize and know it's shot like a world we recognize and know like it's shot like any other like 90210 type of high school drama but for some reason there's no service on their cell phones it's all the roads are covered in forest and it just feels like i'm the style and direction and feel of the show seems to be bumping up against how outlandish this premise is for me. Mm-hmm. So even though, again, I like it, I'm just having trouble literally buying in. Like but I, no, no one had difficulty buying into Lost, and isn't that kind of a similar premise when you find out what happens in the very, very end? Yeah. Like the very last episode, you find out what it all meant. I guess that's a good point. Just I think like with the way Lost was even scored, with the music that's accompanying it, mm-hmm. there's a, just an element of fantasy. They're on an island, at least. So something about the way Lost was shot and scored and edited made me allowed me to escape a little more. I just feel like, especially with teen dramas, I'm so used to seeing high schoolers when they're shot and presented in this way, in such conventional situations, that I just found some cognitive dissonance in my brain as I was watching the show. It's mm-hmm. a good point you bring up, though, because mm-hmm. Lost is... In but there weren't ways, cell phones, right? There weren't cell phones in line. They they wouldn't have service on an island right. in Lost. Uh, so yeah, I point. guess just the fact I hate when you have to explain away the cell phone thing. That's ruined horror movies. You know, it's done a lot to make writing challenging for t- TV and film writers. But whenever it's like the, I mean, I don't have service, but I guess I can call you. But I don't have Wi-Fi, but I can, I guess, you know, have Wi-Fi with you. Just some of that, I felt like they kept having to explain why this premise works. Mm-hmm. To me, and I sometimes that just frustrates me as a TV viewer. Yeah, but I might be the only one. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't like exposition I, either. Yeah. Like, just write it more. I, I, just assume that we're going to be smarter about it, and you can explain it once, and we'll just go, okay, this is it. This yeah. is the world now. Yeah, yeah. but I don't. I, I usually agree with Jeff in in that. I think mm-hmm. that you have to think that your viewers are smarter. But again, I'm going to defend this. I think that with teenagers, they would talk it out like that because. Their phone is their life. So, oh, we can text each other, but we can't get on Wi-Fi, but we can call each other. We can be in the group chat. Like, I think that they would be talking about their phones that much because it is their life. I totally agree with you. I I feel like it wasn't crazy to me that they were saying, how come it works with you and not with anyone else? Yeah, because they kept showing even like when that it it would go to voicemail with all the adults and... Um, I, I think them questioning it so much made it a point in our minds to question it and try to figure out why is this working? How come this doesn't defy the laws of like Wi-Fi but everything else does? Like we kind of have to yeah. accept it. I I, mm-hmm. I feel like out of all the things that there are suspension of disbelief for, this is the easiest one to kind of like get into. Yeah. Is the fact that the cell phones work in this vicinity only. Right. And when she said, "Why is my text green?" I laughed my face off. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone doesn't have an iPhone, you're like, wait, what? what's happening here? Is you're that an monster. actual text? 
Yes, you're a monster. Well, and fun fact, did you guys know that Apple did focus group testing and found out that blue was a much more pleasant color on a screen than green? Mm. So to incentivize people to get more iPhones. Well, there you go. <laughs> and uh, oust the competition. Very interesting. Oh, by the way, can I add what I thought the most dramatic moment Please. was? Okay, I, I want one too. I thought <laughs> the most dramatic moment, there were two. Obviously the very end where she's being like sacrificed, but they're showing her dead body and it feels like a sacrifice just the way it's shot and how she's kind of like this Christ figure in the middle of the room and everyone's gathered around. Yeah. And it's very, very intense. Um, but also the scene where Cassandra is telling uh, the guy not to send the text to everyone. And he's like, I'm going to send it. And then he sends it and everyone's like... <gasps> yeah. <laughs> like, that was very unnecessarily dramatic. But then at the same time, it was also necessary yeah. to show the implication of, like, everyone's going to know now. Mm-hmm. Like, do we really want to play our cards that way? Right. Yeah. What's yours, Linda? Uh, my dramatic moment was at the very end when the guy came into the church with the, shot the gun in the air. I was yeah. like, where did the gun come from? <laughs> yeah. Why all of a sudden are we all the way over there? There's always that one that is the extra. And right. he was the extra for me. Like, first of all, what are you mad about? Second of all, you guys are talking through what you think should happen and how you should handle things. So why the gun? And then when he was like, whoever's with me, follow me. I was just like, lame. I I I hear you. I would not follow you with your gun. I agree with you. He was maybe like a a little one-dimensionally villainous, I think, in that moment. And it sort of took me out of it. Yeah. And I guess that's part of, it's interesting. I've been bringing up the point, personally, the suspension of disbelief thing. I almost would have really loved to see this story told in the form of a novel. Because I think it's easier sometimes to disappear appear into these kinds of leaps of logic if you're reading it and not seeing it, especially when it's shot in such a naturalistic way. Uh, But it does bring me to my next point, which is the fact that this show clearly is borrowing from a book like Lord of the Flies. Mm -hmm. And the show was full of literary allusions and references to other books and quotes. And that's actually something I really liked about the show. I thought it was a very interesting kind of If you're going to do a show like this, you're going to want to explore some of these more intellectual and thematic threads that are naturally tied to this type of content. How did you guys feel about some of the references and sort of literary moments in the pilot? I really like the one where uh, they're talking about Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see what it was called. The Poseidon Adventure. The Poseidon, yeah. the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Um, and it's Allie who's saying, what would I do? And she's ta- and she's saying, would I climb up to the bottom of the ship? Would I do this? Would I do that? I liked it because it's kind of like drawing a parallel between the world they're in and a literary world. Mm-hmm. But, but then putting yourself in the position of the characters of that world to see how you would act in a similar situation, but there's nothing comparable to the situation that they're in. So I like that they brought in that, you know, mm-hmm. that reference. I thought they did a good job with it. I didn't catch a lot of other references, though. Well, there was the right, the graffiti on the wall. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, you had the uh, translation. Didn't oh, you? yeah, I did. So it, it said, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Abharsen. Ups, mm-hmm. Which and means. And so they're saying that's the writing on the wall, which means that. Uh, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. The tekel part is you have been weighed and found wanting. And then the peres part, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes hmm. and the Persians. So interesting. Interesting. Your day, your. God has numbered the days of your kingdom. I think that that's probably the most important part. Very ominous. Yeah. And brought it to an end. 
Tara, do you like this sort of intellectualization of the world? Do you think it's like an interesting, co- or do you think it's a little forced? I think it's a, a little forced because I'm like, we didn't need that writing that then disappeared. It was like their one that they looked at and they're like, the, the writing's gone. Yeah. But like, also, like, you're surrounded by a forest. Like, the roads are gone. You right. know, like, we didn't really need the writing yeah. on the wall. <laughs> it's true. I mean, maybe uh, down the line it'll come back as a callback. Cool. Reel it back in somehow in a mm-hmm. Intelligent way. Um, otherwise, I was like, I don't think that's needed. Yeah, just that's another fair. forced kind of weird moment. Yeah, I just um, I I think the show's smart to lean into some of the, the- like the um, sort of society and cultural components of what's happening because. On one hand, if this were just a thriller about kids trying to figure their SHIT out, it might not be very interesting. But the fact that it's kind of becoming this show about, like, how do factions form and what do governments look like, I think it's smart. I think that's going to make the show more interesting and my favorite part of what I was seeing in this pilot. I do want to talk about, we talk about who these shows are for often, like who we think the audience of not only this pilot but this show is. And it's so interesting to me because... To me, this feels exactly like a CW show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very strange that it's very clearly a show for adults. The way it's with the language and the mature themes. And I was surprised. You know, this was an F word every other minute. And, you know, when I was growing up, I don't think my parents would have liked me watching this type of show. Mm-hmm. Did that Did that kind of bump for any of you guys? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I was just surprised that this premise and show is packaged the way that it was with such adult content. I feel like now, you know, kids want that type of content, though. I feel like it's changing. We saw that with 13 Reasons Why and Mm -hmm. how even that young adult genre has become more... has become a lot darker, I guess, where we touch on themes of suicide and depression and mental illness. And um, I feel like our society is changing in a way where kids are savvy and they understand these concepts. So for me, it didn't feel like a CW show. It, it The only way it felt like a CW show was that it's a bunch of teens in a school, and that's it. But mm-hmm. the, the sci-fi element of it and the dystopian society world part of it didn't feel very CW at all. Mm-hmm. It, it actually felt very Netflixy in the same vein of like a 13 Reasons Why type of show. Fun fact, there is uh, going to be a scene where they reference Riverdale. Oh. And... Uh, it's not in a good way. So I agree with you in that sense. Like I don't, I I don't think it's an adult show. I think it's a young adult show, and I think that uh, back in our day, um, <laughs> it was different. And I think that teenagers are dealing with a lot darker times yeah. and a lot more uncertain times. And I think that this is a reflection of that. And you know, marijuana is legal, and they just legalized some mushrooms somewhere in the US and and all of these things are true and so as the times are changing these teenagers are changing and this is how they talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I think that the this is exactly who's going to tune in you're going to have um, you know these young adults tuning in watching th- a show that they can relate to because they speak that way. They speak the language. Yeah. 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 People in the chat are excited. Um, NVOX98 says, I've been waiting since I finished the show just to see if you did an after buzz. So I'm waiting and people are excited that we're talking about this. And uh, Michael says, um, Dawson's Creek is much more melodramatic than Degrassi. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. 
Um, well, thanks for joining us in the chat, guys. And one of the reasons we run this show is to decide for some of our bubble shows whether or not we do want to do an after show for it. So it sounds like based on the chat that you guys would be excited for an after show for us to cover all 10. And if you're watching after the fact, please let us know down in the comments below if you'd like an after show um, for this, the society, because it will sway the producers. Tara, you were going to say something about um, the language. and just Was that bumping for you at all? Um, I, in today's society, you just can't control what teenagers are watching with a cell phone and a computer. Like yeah. Everybody has Netflix. Everybody's access to anything that has graphic violence, nudity, and language. Right. Uh, parents just cannot control it. So um, I think maybe back in the day, sure. Um, but now, in, in you asking that question, it's not something I've ever had to think about. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I guess they watch it probably all of the time. Maybe not with their parents at home. Right. Um, but certainly any other hours of the day, they're totally inundated with all of that. Yep. It's true. It's yeah. I didn't think it was bad that the show was packaged this way. I just was a little surprised because on pitch and on premise, it feels like the kind of thing that might sell on network. But in presentation and sort of theme, themes, it felt like something that was more aired for streaming. So mm. um, I I just thought that was interesting the way it was kind of packaged and presented. Um, and it does make me wonder: Do we think this show is going to find an audience? Because I I have to feel like. This show actually might have done really well. I think of that show, The Outpost on CW, that was mm-hmm. sort of dystopian. And I think this show could have done really well on network. Um, the creator of this yeah. show started on network. And I I have to wonder, it's so hard to grab network audiences. But to me, this is something that actually could have like thrived on like a CW or even like a TNT or something. I don't know. I, I was just going to say, I think that you go where your audience is, and I think that the younger generation is streaming. And the, mm-hmm. like like Tara said, they're watching on their phones, they're sharing with each other, and they're not going to just sit down at 9 o'clock on Wednesday night, network TV, watch the show. Mm-hmm. They're going to binge it on Netflix yeah. when they have time on the go. So yeah. I think it, it landed exactly where it should and this format is very bingeable, so yeah, I think it, I think it would have done well on CW actually because I think there would be a demand for that, and teens would get into this. But um, like you said, Linda, I just feel like this ends on a cliffhanger where you want to know what it's about. That it's so bingeable that I wouldn't be surprised if people just watch the entire yeah. season just in a couple days. You yeah. know? Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Well, we only have a couple more segments, but any more thoughts on what the show gave us? Characters, writing, performances, anything else before we move on to our final segments, guys? Mm, I guess what I like about it is it shows how different characters react to adversity. Mm. Like, it shows how there's going to be one character that's like, well, what do we do? And another character who freaks out and is like, well, you lead the way. And someone else who's like, I got to take care of me. And I, I like that it shows how different people react in the same environment, in the same situation, because that makes it easier to understand a person's character arc on the show. Yeah. By just giving them, like, that same type of adversity to deal with. But then, Mm. at the same time, each character has different levels within that context of adversity. Like, what am I going to do without my meds? What am I going to do when I'm in love with this person who isn't in love with me? So you still have that high school element that would happen on a typical show, but just adding another layer of, but we're in this society and we don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very interesting how the writers are dealing with all of that. It's true. It sort of like takes the classic high school shows we're used to and amps up the stakes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. Any other thoughts? So the last thing we do, if you guys are tuning in, is um, we rate the show out of five. So we're going to give just the pilot our score out of five. Mm. I'm going to give this 
3.9. I don't think it's quite a 4. What's Tara given? I was going to do a 3.6. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so hard to rate this as a standalone because I don't know where, what direction it's going in. But assuming the best, that it gets better and better, I can rate this show as a 4. Just the pilot. Just the pilot as a 4. As a 4. Yeah. Okay. I am going to say 3.6. Okay, nice. I'm surprised I rated it higher than you. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's solid, but it's solid. A little bumpy, a little Mm -hmm. bumpy. Well, it sounds like for the most part, we actually liked this show. Um, I think there's, even if we had a couple things we were bumping against, we liked the pilot overall, and there are nine more episodes, and it sounds like some Mm -hmm. of us might be watching them. I will. Great, Linda and Tweet will. And speaking of, uh, let us know if you'd be interested in an after show for this, because one more time, it might sway the producers in our decision. Because we are After Buzz TV, the ESPN MTV Talk, and we thank you guys so much for tuning in today. My name is Jeff Graham. If you want to catch me online, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. We're here every Wednesday at 5 p.m. reviewing a new pilot each week, and we got some new, fresh voices on the panel, which is great. So I know we've taken a couple weeks off, which we apologize for, but we're back in it. We're back to bring you more coverage. I'm Linda Sogurley, all across social media. You can find me there. Hit me up if you want to continue the discussions. Hey everyone, I'm Mina Wahab, and you can follow me on Instagram at Mina Makes Magic. And I am Tara Erickson. Find me on YouTube, uh, also Instagram, all over the internet, Tara Erickson, T A R A E R I C K S O N, because sometimes when I say my name, it sounds like Terry. That's <laughs> not it. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week at 5 p.m. here on TV Pilot Reviews. Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.